0: Anybody need one, raise your hand, we'll have Elise, will bring it to you. And when you get your Bible, you can open it up to Exodus chapter 12. Exodus is the second book of the Bible right after Genesis, so we're in the front here. Yeah, right after Exodus 11. There you go. So we're going to be in Exodus today, and the reason is because uh, I was at a a conference all week studying Exodus, or at the end of the week. And it's it's all I know right now. So we're, we're taking a break from friendship, going with what we know, all right? And so at the conference, you... You get assigned a passage that you get to uh, present to your small group. And and this was my passage. And so um, they told me all the things I did wrong with it. So hopefully I've got it right now. And uh, yeah, you guys get the good good refined version. (laughs) Let's not go that far. There's probably still some more work to be done here. But uh, here we are. All right. So um, we're going to be in Exodus 12, 1 through 28. And we're going to read it as we go, okay? Before we do that, who knows what today is? Monday. How many of you forgot? There we go. Hands up. There they are, right? There are some days in life that you just shouldn't forget, right? And if you do, you're going to pay for it. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Depends on your mother, I guess. Um, But Mother's Day is definitely one of those days that, that... Culturally, at least, we've built into our calendar, right? And I don't know, um, depending on how your mom responds to a forgotten Mother's Day, if you've ever forgotten one, you know that you should never forget it again, right? And so for some of us, there's this this holy fear regarding Mother's Day. And it's coming up, and we hear whispers of Mother's Day coming up, and, and we wake up some mornings in cold sweats, thinking... It's not today, is it? I didn't miss it, all right? And and it's a day that we have culturally been conditioned to never forget. That being said, there are some more important days that we should never forget, right? There's lots of days that that we remember by building into our calendar. And today we're going to read about one of those days that was built into the Jewish calendar as a day that they should never forget. And it was built into their calendar that way, not by moms or society, but by God. So let's go ahead. We're going to start by reading chapter 12. And as we do that, I'm going to go ahead and tell you the main point of today is simply to learn that our God saves because he is a God who is a savior God. And this fact should cause us to worship and obey him. So we're going to first begin with the fact that our God saves. Back in, uh, here we are, chapter 12. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron and the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons. According to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. You shall uh, Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it in the, until the 14th day of this month when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lentil of the houses in which they eat. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted, its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. And in this manner you shall eat it with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike you the land of Egypt. Our God saves. Well, obviously we're in chapter 12, and there's been 11 other chapters, right? And you guys know the story of Exodus, but so let's go through it real quick. How did they get down to Egypt? Do you guys remember why they're in Egypt? Hey, Elise? Um Because Joseph. Um, Fantastic. That's exactly right. So they followed Joseph down there. They're all down there. Turn back to chapter 1 of Exodus, okay? Back to chapter 1 of Exodus. And back in chapter 1 verse 6, here's what we read in verse 6. It simply says, "Then Joseph died, and all his brothers and all that generation But the people of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong so that the land was filled with them. Our book begins with this knowledge that Genesis has been filled with the fact that God met his people through Abraham, right? And then with Abraham came Isaac, and after Isaac came Jacob. After Jacob came the twelve tribes of Israel, particularly Joseph And God has provided generation after generation after generation with patriarchs through whom he meets his people. And now we're in Egypt. And what do we hear is that they're all dead. They're all gone. And all we have is this huge group of people. And as you read in verse 8, it says, Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them lest they multiply. And if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. And they built for Pharaoh store cities, Pithom and Ramses. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied, and the more they spread abroad. And the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel. So they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and in all kinds of work in the field in all their work they ruthlessly made them work as slaves and this lasted for 400 years they were slaves now that being said god does not Let it go without passing his notice. If you turn the page into chapter 3, we see that Exodus is not just detailing their slavery, but rather it's pointing to the fact that God is waking up. Do you guys remember in the Chronicles of Narnia how as the young children in the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe enter into Narnia, there's great winter, right? And it's been winter for so long... And yet there's indication that things are starting to change, right? Little birds chirping, the snow is beginning to melt, and the queen is losing her power. And that's what we see at the beginning of Exodus, just hints that things are beginning to change. Well, Moses, as we know, is saved from the slaughter of the male children, and he escapes Egypt and is Um, in the land of Midian, working for Jethro. And while he's there as a shepherd, he sees a burning bush and he turns aside where God calls to him and then pick up in chapter 3, verse 7. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry. Because of their taskmasters, I have know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And so we see that God is not absent, that he hears, that he sees, and that he knows what his people are going through, and in fact, he has come down to rescue them. Turn the page again into chapter 4. And in chapter 4, verse 21, here is what God has to say to Moses again. And, And this is actually to Pharaoh through Moses. God says, and the Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that you do before Pharaoh all the miracles that I have put in your power. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son. And I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go, behold, I will kill your firstborn son. Well, Moses delivers this message to the Pharaoh But before he does that, we see in chapter 6 that he tells this all to the people of Israel. So if you're in chapter 6, verse 6, Moses is talking to the people of Israel, telling him of God's new plan. And beginning in verse 6, we read, Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians and I will deliver you from slavery to them and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment I will take you to be my people and I will be your God and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. But if you jump down to verse 9, we see the people's response. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery so we're getting whispers of the fact that things will change, but the people are still broken hearted in their slavery and in the brokenness of their spirit and so as we read the next uh, six chapters before chapter twelve we see the Ten plagues, this is the tenth plague we're on, so we see nine plagues. And many times throughout these plagues, what happens? What does Pharaoh say he's going to do? He's going to let them go, right? But then he doesn't, and he changes his mind, and the people stay. Well, now we get to chapter 12, and God says, this is the end. This is the final plague and God's words are going to be fulfilled. Now what's really interesting about this passage is that this plague is God's wrath on the land, and the plague endangers the people of Israel because of God's wrath. And we see that this plague is the plague of taking the firstborn son out of each and every Household, and it is not unique just to the Egyptians. God isn't just saying, I'm going to go to the Egyptians, but God is going to come to every doorway and, in a sense, hold every family accountable. And yet, God also provides the way of salvation. And that way of salvation is through a spotless lamb that the families are to take and sacrifice. And it's not just through the lamb, but it's specifically through the lamb's blood, right? And the blood is to be put on the doorposts of the doors. And when God shows up, he will not go in to destroy if there is blood on the doorposts. And so he provides salvation to his people through the spotless blood of the lamb. When Jesus came... And John the Baptist saw him coming down to be baptized. John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And in 1 Corinthians 5 7, Paul says, For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. There are some themes that go throughout all of Scripture. And this Bible's a big book, isn't it? But it's really telling one story. And Exodus 12 is central to that story. And it's the story of how our God saves his people. But it's not just a past event that we should be recalling. It's not just the story of the fact that our God saved his people, past tense, there's much more to the story and so that's where we pick up in our story in verse 14. So Exodus 12:14, follow along with me here. This day, this is still God speaking, shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. So it's bread without yeast. It doesn't rise up. It's like uh, the crackers, okay, that we eat at communion. On the first day you shall remove leaven out of your houses. For if anyone eats what is leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day you shall hold a holy assembly, and on the seventh day a holy assembly. No work shall be done on those days, but if what everyone needs to eat, that alone may be prepared by you. And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for on this very day I brought your hosts out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a statute forever. In the first month from the fourteenth day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the twenty-first day of the month at evening. For seven days, no leaven is to be found in your houses. If anyone eats what is leavened, that person will be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is a sojourner or a native of the land. You shall eat nothing leavened in all your dwelling places. You shall eat unleavened bread. Now what's really interesting about this is this is what God tells to Moses the night before the Passover. So you might think God, won't you just kind of focus on tonight? Can we stay in the present? You you got this destroying angel that's going to come and and meet every doorway and kill the firstborn sons. You might think that Aaron and Moses might be feeling a little anxious, like can can we get on with this and get the blood on the doorposts and, and, and get safe, God? But God goes from the present tonight to the future, doesn't he? And he says, by the way, what you're doing tonight, you need to make a statute forever, a rule forever. And from this day forth, you will begin your year by remembering the Passover. In fact, you're changing your calendar. Your calendar begins with Passover month. It would be as if when the United States got their independence and they said, from now on, the first month of the year is July. Can you imagine how that would change everyone's life, that we, we base our calendar around our independence? That's what's happening here. Is God is saying, we're changing the calendar and you will base it upon this day. And not only will you base it upon this day, but you will have a feast that lasts for an entire week. And in that week, you will have this rule that you will separate the leaven from your houses, and you will never eat unleavened bread. And if anyone does, they're kicked out of the people of Israel. That's pretty serious, right? That's a really serious feast and on a rule. They, they still practice it in Israel. Okay, There's a week at the beginning of the Hebrew calendar when you can't buy any bread because it's, it's eradicated from the country. And they remove all leaven and, and any bakeries or, or restaurants or homes that ever have flour and bread and all that, they have to take it all out and they wipe down their counters and they clean off their shelves and they get it out of their homes to remember this, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It is the holiest of their holidays to remember. And they still remember it today. And, and it's not surprising because God said it should be a statute forever. Right? He said it should last forever. Well, Moses goes on to tell this to the people. It says, he called all the elders of Israel to them. Verse 21, go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans and kill the Passover lamb and take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and touch the lentil and the two doorposts and the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lentil and on the doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. You shall observe this right, he says, as a statute for you and for your sons forever. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you, as he has promised you, shall keep his, you shall keep this service. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? In other words, when your kids say, Why do we start the year this way? Why do we get all the bread out of our houses? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, for he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses. So our God saves because he is a savior God. In other words, what God is communicating by instituting this feast is that God doesn't just save where he didn't just save the Egyptians out of slavery, but in fact, his character is defined by the fact that he is a saving God. And they're to remember for all generations, passing it down from fathers to parents, or parents to children, uh, fathers to sons, mothers to daughters, forever, that our God saves. And they're to never, ever forget it. It's to be at the core of their worship service. They're to remember it forever. Well, why? Why this emphasis on remembering? In Exodus Exodus 10, 1 and 2, God says that he hardens hearts that he might show his signs that you may tell your sons and grandsons how I have dealt harshly with the Egyptians and what signs I have done among them that you may know that I am the Lord. In other words, he's saying I do all of this to show you who I am. I am a God who saves. It is the defining attribute of my character. And so you would think That when Christ came on the scene, that the people of Israel would know this and be thinking this. And when Jesus came, and and, in Mary's song it said, she will bear, or in the prophecy rather, it says, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That they would hear that and think, huh, save. Our God saves us. And this is a prophecy about this little boy. And when Jesus came in John chapter 10 and said, I am the door, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. You should have, they should have had ringing in their ears the language of this festival that God had commanded them to keep for all generations. Well, how do the people respond in Exodus? Let's finish our passage in just the end of chapter twenty or verse 27. It says, And the people bowed their heads and worshipped. Then the people of Israel went and did so as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. If you read the Old Testament, Israel doesn't have a great track record of doing exactly what they're told. And neither do we. We don't have a great track record of doing what we're told. But here, in this instance, we see that they respond exactly as they ought to respond. They worshipped God that here he was coming to... They had seen nine plagues rip apart the Egyptians. And here God is coming with one more, and yet he had provided them the way of salvation, and so they bow, and they worship, and they obey. In Matthew 28, 5 through 9, we read that this happened in the garden after Jesus' resurrection. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet. And to do that, you would need to bow and worship. him. When they saw Jesus risen from the grave, they bowed and they worshiped. They responded the exact same way. The Israelites responded at this news that they had a saving God. Well, our God, as we see in this text, is a God who saves because he is a savior God, And the proper response is to worship and obey him. And so for us today, we have to ask a couple questions. The first question is, is God our God? Or another way to say it is, is God your Savior? And another way to put it is, do you have blood on the doorposts of your house, of your heart? God says, I will come to each house. He does not say, I will go to the Egyptians' house and kill the sons and leave the Israelites alone. He says, I will come to each house and look for the blood. And the same is true for us. That it doesn't matter which family you've been born into. It doesn't matter what you've done uh, on Sundays or any other day of the week. What matters is whether or not you have the blood of the lamb on your heart. Have you accepted Christ's sacrifice for you? Is his blood guarding you from God's wrath? And then the second question would be this. Do you remember that regularly? Notice God says this shall be a statute forever. What do you think God meant when he said forever? Did he mean forever for Israel? Or did he mean forever for the people of God? Because surely scripture teaches that if you have accepted Christ, you have been grafted into the people of God. Do you begin your year by removing all of the leaven out of your homes? Do you sacrifice a lamb on the 14th day of the first month? Are we all in disobedience of God's word by not keeping the Passover? Well, the night before Jesus was betrayed, he was eating a meal with his disciples, wasn't he? That meal was the Passover meal. Jesus was obeying Exodus 12 with his disciples as he sat down, they would have been it would have been the 14th day of the month that they had sacrificed a lamb and they would be eating the meal. And Jesus in the midst of that meal, it says that he took bread and we need given thanks. He broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, This is the cup that is poured out for you in the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. This shall be a statute forever. We take communion in order to celebrate Passover. That we, as the body of Christ, celebrate Passover, but we don't celebrate it with a Passover lamb. Rather, we celebrate it remembering the Passover lamb. The last Passover lamb that was ever necessary. And so, I ask you that when you sit in the service week after week, and you see the cup, and you see the bread come to you, do you take it? Do you take communion? Some of us shouldn't, and for good reason, because we have not given our lives to Christ, and we are not really in the people of God. But Let me ask you this. If you were in Israel that night when or in Egypt that night when when Moses told them to take that blood and put the blood on the doorposts would you have been eager to put the blood on your doorposts or to have your parents put the blood on your doorposts So why are we not just as eager to get to a place in our life where we're ready to take the cup and take the bread and know that this commemorates the Passover, and that Jesus is not just the Passover lamb, but he is my Passover lamb, and that his blood has atoned for my sins. So I encourage you guys, consider that. But these ancient rituals that we take part on Sunday with, they're to remind us that there are two people. There are Egyptians and there are Israelites. There are those who are in the people of God and outside the people of God. And the invitation is always open for you to join the people of God. But it's an invitation that you must accept and only you can accept. So let's pray that we do so. Our Heavenly Father, may the communion service be a reminder to us. May it be a reminder either of our great and loving God who is a Savior God. From the beginning of Exodus here through now, you have declared your name as the Savior God, the God who saves his people and commanded us to remember it. And may communion for us be a remembrance of how you have saved us through the blood of the spotless lamb, Jesus Christ. But may it also be a reminder for those who have not accepted you that they are outside the people of God. And may it cause us to enter into your people with repentance and with faith that we too might remember with the rest of the body of Christ all that you have done on our behalf. Thank you, God, that you are a Savior, God. Let us worship and obey. Amen. Well, guys, remember what you're supposed to do today.